Welcome, mothers, grandmothers. <laughs> I think we have a variety of different uh, roles that we're in when, when we're talking about moms. But, uh, you know, it's been really emotional for me, I think, uh, preparing for this lesson. I've got Kleenex. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> I think uh, maybe a couple different things. Having granddaughters now, you get a different perspective. And... Um, you know, and also reflecting and looking back, and even though, uh, you know, Stephanie had a lot of nice things to say about me or about the boys, you always look back and think of things that you would have liked to have done differently. You know, when you're preparing something, you're like, well, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. But, um, you know, I just want to start out by saying none of us have a corner market on being awesome mothers and raising children that are going to follow in his steps. It's you know, we, we must be faithful and do the best we can to follow him ourselves, which we're going to get into. But it's in God's hands. It's God's power and him leading and being involved in our lives that makes all the difference. So um, with that said, I'm going to get started. And I, I will say, you know, that there is no greater joy in my life than, than to see my sons being men of God. It's wonderful. And, uh, you know, I, I watched them... Uh, learn how to crawl and to walk. You know, I was there when they spoke their first words, uh, when they learned to drive. Um, I watched them play baseball and um, make a goal in soccer. You know, and I, I sat in the crowd and witnessed uh, their graduations and their weddings. But I can truly say there's no greater joy than to see them be men of God. All those other things are joyful, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm crying. That doesn't sound very joyful. <laughs> you, you know, just the emotions are there. And, um, but it's a thrill to see that in their lives at the point of where they are in their life. Um, you know, Nathan's uh, going to be 27 this week. And uh, Matthew's, Matthew 25? <laughs> Matthew's going to be 25. But, uh, you know, as mothers, we have a special role in the lives of our kids. You know, if you think about it, motherhood is really the first relationship of love that one experiences in life. That special bond as a mother that we have with our kids. And it doesn't matter how old our children are or where they are in life. We want to be good moms. And we always have that bond with them. But we want to be good moms. You know, that's why you're here. You know, in this class today, you want to be a good mom. And you want great things for your kids and their walk with God. And, uh, you know... I got to thinking, you know, sometimes, uh, I know just for me personally, I can, like, be so serious about everything, you know. And, uh, you know, taking my motherhood seriously, which I, I believe I should, but I also, there's times when we just need to laugh at things that happen, you know, as they're growing up. And uh, I got, uh, I was Googling, you know, funny quotes about moms or different things like that, you know, just to, and some of them were really funny. They made me laugh at just comical things that happen that we all experience. But, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of different ideas about, out there about what it is to be a good mom. You know, there's a lot of things that are written, do X, Y, and Z, or this, this, and that, you know. But really, we don't have a corner market on that, you know. There's no magical pill or secret formula uh, for being a good mom. Some of the funny things that I, that I had read was, a good mom appears instantly when any family member yells, Mom! You know, you get this picture. She's going to be right there when there, anything happens. A good mom never raises her voice. Never raise her voice. Um, I read, I, I thought this was a funny one. A good mom lets, lets you lick the chocolate off the beaters, but a great mom turns them off first. <laughs> a 
can't just picture this kid, you know. <laughs> a good mom knows exactly which clothes each child wants to wear to school every morning, has them washed and mended and pressed and hanging in the closet. You know, you get the perfect little picture. Everything's great, but we know that's not reality, right? <laughs> what a good mom is. Uh, like I said, there's no quick recipe or magical pill for motherhood, but there are principles in the Bible that can guide us. And that's what we need, is we need God's guidance to help us as mothers. Um, so the question we're going to be uh, helping you with today is, what can I do as a mom to help my children follow in his steps for a lifetime? What can I do as a mom? It sounds like such a big job, big responsibility. How can we help our sons be men of God, and how can we help our daughters be women of God? How do we develop that little pitter-patter of little feet into steps that follow Christ? How do we, how, you know, what, 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 what can we do to help develop that? Develop that, And like I said, that's really what we're going to be talking about. How can we help them um, as their moms? What is our role in that? Um, I first want to start by saying it, it really starts at the beginning. And that first step is that it starts with me. I know the other lesson, you know, uh, Nicole was talking a lot about that, our, our walk with God and um, our love for him. And that really is where it has to start. Um, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5, uh, Paul says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You know, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he's saying, you know, you can trace back, you know, you're you can trace back your sincere faith to your mother and your grandmother that had an important role and an impression on you. And one thing, whenever I read that, I, you know, it was like there were there's no dad even mentioned, you know, for us that are single moms. You know, uh, when I was reading a little bit on this, they don't even, they don't really believe that Timothy's dad was a Christian. But his, his mother and his grandmother had an important role and they had a sincere faith. A love for God and a relationship with Him. Um, in Mark 12 and verse 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love Him with every, every, every bit of you. Uh, in Matthew 6.33, this is pretty familiar, I think, to most of us. Um, what, sh- what you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what He wants you to do. Then He will give you all these other things that you need. You know, what I should want most is God's kingdom in my life. You know, the, these passages are clear about where a mom's passion ought to be. There's a lot of different things that um, try to get our attention and try to get our passion in life. But it needs to be Christ. It needs to be Him in our life. Um, you know, if you think about it, this is the foundation of your motherhood. If you want to help your children follow in Christ's steps. That's got to be the foundation. I have to have that first. I have to, that has to be important in my life. Some questions just to ask yourself. I always like to give like thought questions or you know just reflecting on things. Um, what's most important to you? You know, there, like I said, there's a lot of different things that are important. But what's most important? That's the question. What's the most important? Is it more about a spotless house or a spiritual home? I'm not saying a clean house isn't important, but what's most important? Is it more about getting an education or gaining eternity? You know, as a mom, when my kids were going to school, you know, educate, you know, you know, you can, I think sometimes I stress school so much and their grades so much that maybe they didn't, you know, 
was I stressing eternity? Is it more about my job from nine to five or working for my king? What's most important? Is it more about having things or honoring God with what I have? You see the difference? And I think they're good questions to think about. Um, and you know, I think sometimes we can um, we can feel like we're uh, we have the, the most important values out there, and that's what we're that's what we're living. But sometimes it's not. You know, we can kind of fool ourselves, and inside we can feel like this is what's going on, and this is what I'm showing, but maybe I'm really not. I think a good thing to do. One of the books that I read talked about ask your kids if you want. You know, ask them what do you think is most important to mommy. What are the things that you think mommy really cares about the most? See what they tell you. I mean, you'll have, you know, teenagers will be able to tell you maybe more than what somebody, a younger child can, but just ask them, what are they seeing? You may discover that there's something getting lost between your talk and your walk. So ask yourself, am I passionate about God and where's my heart? Uh, Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, where, where is my heart? You know, like I said, this is just time for us as moms to think about what's most important to us and where our heart is. And, you know, your kids must see Jesus as a real person to you. He, they've got to see that he's a real person to you and that you walk with him and that he's got your heart. They've got to see that. Um, I know, like I said, we're all like in different places. Um, maybe there's, you know, a, a mom here today that hasn't really made a decision to, you know, I'm going to have Jesus be the most important thing in my life and give my life to him. I want to encourage you to make that decision. You know, you want those good things for your kids, but again, have that for you. Get that for you. Or maybe, you know, you're a mom and, um, like I think uh, Nicola talked about it, maybe at a different point in your life, you had more passion for God. He had all of your heart. Maybe you were at a different place and now, you know, just with the busyness of being a mother and running a home, that just kind of gets pushed aside. You know, you're busy doing everything for everybody else, you know, like Coral said, and your spiritual walk with him is sitting on the back burner. Well, I'll get to that later, but I have all these things that I have to, all these things that need to be taken care of as a mom. And they are important, but we've got to get our focus on our walk with him. Um, I want to encourage you to examine where you are with Jesus because your kids follow you. Your kids follow you. Um, We're going to spend uh, the rest of the time looking at just two ways. Um, that you can help your kids. Two ways that I can help my kids follow in his footsteps. The first was be intentional. Be intentional. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, says, uh, Teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their life. Be intentional. You know, godly children aren't going to be raised on accident or by luck, right? It's not going to just ha- accidentally happen. They're developed on purpose. Something as, as a mom... I have to be intentional about. It takes purposeful effort from, effort from me, mom. You know, if you think about it, we're intentional with our kids in a lot of different areas, right? You know, um, I've been watching Nora like, about three days a week, and Nicole's very intentional. She makes sure Nora has everything she needs in her diaper bag, you know, or she makes sure she has a bottle for her, you know, diapers, all the little things she might need, a little toy. Um, you know, if she's sick, she's going to be calling the doctor. She's going to take her wherever she needs to do to make sure that she's physically doing okay. You know, as moms, we're going to make sure our kids are at school. 
You know, they need to be at school, getting education. We're going to make sure when they're teenagers that they're meeting that curfew. They're going to be in when we say they're going to be in. You know, we're intentional about a lot of different things. But what about faith? When it comes to my child's faith, am I being intentional with that? Um, like I said earlier, it, there's so many things that we feel responsible for as a mom. It can be overwhelming. It's like, ah, oh, I got this, you know, you have this huge list. I'm never going to be able to keep track of all these things I need to do with my kids or for my kids. It can be totally overwhelming. But we've got to realize that promoting faith in our children is your primary responsibility. You know, and I really believe when Matthew says, you know, focus what in the things in his kingdom, put those things first. He's going to help us with the things with our kids. He's going to help us with those. We can't do that on our own. So I have uh, some some ways that we can be spiritual and spiritually intentional. Uh, first one is teach them the word of God. And Second Timothy three fifteen uh, is talking again about Timothy. It says, "From infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." You know. As, a, as an infant, as a very small child, he was being taught the scriptures from his mom and his grandma. And I know not, not all of us were Christians when our children were small. Start where they are. If, if they're small, get in there. Start teaching them God's word. Don't just rely on church. Don't just rely on Sunday school. Like it's our, As parents, it's our responsibility. And really, the younger the better. Start teaching them the word of God. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9, four through nine um, it's a pretty familiar one. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes, of your houses, and on your gates. You know, he's saying, you know, above all, God's most important. He's got to be loving with all your soul, your mind, your strength. You know, that's where we need to be. But we also need to be teaching our children. Teach them about God's word. Start impressing them on them. Uh, have you ever heard uh, children like wet cement? You know, they're like wet cement. And so whatever uh, is, is falls on them or is laid on them is going to make an impression. You know, wet cement, you lay your hand in there, it's going to make an impression there. And then, it, like, it gets harder. So the younger they are, the more impression, more impressionable. You want to teach them about God's word. Impress them. Talk about them. Write them. You know, some of you, you know, Elaine is going to have some practical things. I don't want to really get into all that. But um, so also you can read God's word to them. Um, you know, I can remember reading God's word to Nate and Matt before they could read, you know, when they're little. You can start reading to them. Work God's word into everyday conversations. You know, look for teaching uh, opportunities. Times to have conversations about things where you can um, talk to your kids and bring in God's word. You know, ask yourself, when's the last time you had a meaningful conversation with your child and what was it about? You know... And it doesn't matter, like, again, what age. I, have, I can recall having a meaning, meaningful conversation with Matthew. He's married. I went to his house. I called him. I said, hey, there's some things I'm concerned about. Uh, and I'd like to come over and talk to you about it. That was hard to do. You know, you worry about butting in or you worry about interfering. But, you know, I thought, I'm still his mother. 
and I still need to press upon him God's word if I have a concern. And so I, you know, you could ask him. I had my Bible with me. And we sat down and we talked about some things. I just wanted to be you and me. And it was good. You know, I walked away. I said, I've done what God wants me to do. Like I said, you never stop being a mom. So, teach them the word of God. Another thing you can do intentionally is connect them to God's family. Connect them to God's family. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, says, Love the family of believers. You know, your kids have another family besides your physical family. They've got God's family. They've got lots of aunts and uncles and grandparents. You know, there's lots of verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of the church and its role in your life and its role in your family. And, uh, you know, sometimes people may have the idea, well, you know, the children, you know, they're the church of the future, you know, if you've heard that. But it's really not true. They're the church of today. You know, we need to be connecting our children to God's family. Um, they must learn now to love God's family and be a part of that. Um, so, you know, some things you can do uh, to connect them to God's family or bring positive role models into your home. Invite people over for dinner. You know, other Christians that um, would be a good, great for your kids to be around. Have them over for dinner. Have Bible studies at your house. I know as Nate and Matt were growing up, we, always, we had a small group at our house. We had Bible studies with non-Christians going on. When they were little, like, take them along. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can involve them in God's family. Um, you want their best friends to be Christians. You know, um, you may think when they're small, it's not as important. But if they develop those relationships when they're small with other Christian families, then they can have those as they grow up. And that will help them. The teenage years, you know. Uh, you make church involvement a top priority. You know, being at things that the church has going on, making sure your kids are there. Um Get involved uh, in their ministry. You know, uh, I think Jenny said it in her class. You know, if, they're, if your kids are in the children's ministry, get involved in that. You know, you can help teach. Make sure that, you know, they're getting their memory verses or whatever. You know, like you be there, you support them. when they're As they're growing up, as teenagers, as, a, as parents, sometimes you feel like your kids don't want you to be there. But you can be involved. We, you know, pick up the, their friends and take them to Bible study. Like, um, I think I try to have, like, the... Um, the idea that Nathan and Matthew's ministry was as important as mine. It wasn't like their stuff was secondary. Their, their stuff that they had going on for God and their involvement with his family was every bit as important. And we were, we were a part of that as they were growing up. So I want to encourage you, you know, again, connect them to God's family. And one big thing I had at the end I want to make sure I didn't forget to mention was and refuse to be critical of the church. Sometimes I don't think we realize, you know, if we're being critical or negative about leaders in the church or things that are going on at church, those little ears hear that, and that has a negative effect on them. You know, if you try to get, you want them to be involved, you want them to uh, be a part of things, the criticalness is just going to kill it. You know, if there are things that that, um, you think need to change or need to be addressed, find a way to help make that happen. Talk to people that can that um, can help make that happen. You know, I'm, you know, guys know what you're following what I'm saying. Just the criticalness will hurt your kids in the end. Um, okay, so the third thing um, to be intentional is remind them of their purpose. Remind our kids of their purpose. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 16. 
uh, says, you made me, you made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. You know, God has a plan for our kids before they were even born. I think one of the most crucial tasks of parenting is to help our children find his or her particular fit in God's plan. Help them find their fit in God's plan. You know, help them, you know, help them realize that they were created to glorify God, but he also has like a specific purpose for them. Um, you know, Jesus knew his mission at age 12. You know, he said, I must be about my father's business. He knew that's a young age, you know. He knew what he was about. And if you think about it, Mary was taking him to the temple on, on purpose. She was being intentional. And so he, he knew what his purpose was about. Uh, I just want to encourage you as a mom, see the bigger picture for your kids. You know, sometimes as parents, we have plans for our kids, don't we? For our sons and daughters, we have plans, you know, I want them to do good in school. I want them to be in this sport. I want them to be in ballet. I want to see them do, you know, all these, you know, I want them to grow up to be whatever. (laughs) Whatever it is, we have all these plans. But what about God's plans? What are his plans that he has for them? I think I tended to be like, you know, God was in the picture, but I wasn't maybe being as sensitive to what is it that I see in my child that God wants to use. Maybe I was thinking this is what he wants you to do, you know, but really just looking at them as individuals. What is it God has blessed them with that they need to use for his kingdom? So encourage, encourage leadership at an early age. Help them see they are here to influence and recognize their mission and their ministry. You know, you think leadership at an early age, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, and I, again, Elena's going to have some, some, some things with that, but it's just a couple things I thought about with our kids was uh, when Matthew was in kindergarten, he had this teacher they didn't really like because she, oh, she played piano a lot. And he didn't like, oh, why do we have to do that? And we would talk to him about, you're there for, in that class for a reason. There's some kids there that you're supposed to reach out to. It's basically the same thing with Nathan when he was in Scouts. He had a lot of his friends came from Scouts and sports and different things because we would talk about like reaching out to them. Um, so I'm going to encourage you to do that. Uh, when they were older, um, their college years, um, you know, we live in Godfrey, but they went to SIU and they could have very well lived at home. But we chose, as our family, we chose, we want you to go live on campus and try to reach out to people. And they knew that that's what they were there for. They may not have done it always 100%, but they knew what that was the reason that mom and dad chose to do that. I mean, that was an expense we probably didn't need, didn't have to have. But they knew why we did it. It wasn't just so they could have college life and party or whatever, you know, all the other kids are doing. Um, it was for a different reason, and they knew that. Um, so we were to train our children to recognize their work in God's kingdom. Um, I'm going to let Lena come up. She's going to share, you know, some ways, uh, some things about being an intentional as a mom. Like I said, she's at a different point than I am. My kids are kind of like out. She's got them at home, so she's... Um, just actually came back from a Hearts at Home conference and has like learned a lot of things. I'm sure she wants to share, so I'm gonna let her get up here. I'm gonna take my shoes, <laughs> or maybe I'll leave them. I'll leave them. All right. Oh, I'm so nervous. I've been coming to Lady Street since I was in third grade, and this is my first one speaking. So like, my heart's like pounding out of my chest, you know. So, oh gosh. Um, you know, when I first got asked, I had so many like thoughts, and like one night I told John, I said I wrote my ladies' retreat, and he's. Lesson. He's like, where is it? I said, it's in my head. 
I wrote it while you were sleeping, and I couldn't sleep because I don't sleep very well. But anyway, then I got with Denise, and I hear all she has to say. I'm like, well, you've just, like, covered all of it. Like, <laughs> like you had everything I wanted to say, and you've just, I don't even, there, it's, like, perfect. Like, you're less, I did, I just, like, read your notes, I'm like, it's already perfect. So, I, um, I guess I just wanted to share more of, like, what this looks like in my family, um, what being intentional looks like. Uh, but I also want to say what it looks like in my family isn't what it's going to look like in yours, and it shouldn't because we're not the same. But the concepts and the biblical principles are the same. So I just want to give you some ideas. And the way I just kind of wanted to do it is maybe share um, what being intentional is not. Some of the things that I thought were intentional, <laughs> my misconceptions myself that I've learned like, oh, that's not it. So the first one is being intentional is not about Pinterest-worthy family devotionals. <laughs> um, it's not. In the day of Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram and really cute mom blogs, you can find a million adorable ways to teach your children about God. You can. You can have you know a cute poster board, this awesome object lesson. You can have whatever. Um, and that's great. Like I'm not saying don't use those. But that... Sometimes it's, we make it so complicated to learn about Jesus and to learn about following him that it's too difficult for us to keep up with ourselves. And then we feel like a failure when it doesn't turn out the way it looks like on the Internet. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes also we do, we do those things and we think that's teaching our children about God, but it, it actually wasn't. It was a fun craft to do. Nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't the same. So I want to give an example. Two years ago, um, at Christmas time, I wanted to do some intentional like Christmas stuff. I didn't want it to be, just, you know, I've always not wanted it to be just about Santa. We do do Santa, but, you know, I want my kids to know it's like Jesus, you know, coming to earth, like what that is. So I found on Pinterest this really cute devotional book called Truth and the Tinsel, and it's every day for 25 days. It's like an advent calendar. I was so excited. You have like a scripture, questions to think about, and a craft, an ornament you make to go along with them. Like, this is awesome. Every day for 25 days, we're going to make an ornament and read a scripture, and we're going to like, while we're making the ornament, we're going to talk about the discussion questions. I was so excited. I bought the ebook and downloaded it to my Kindle, and I spent like at least an hour writing down all the craft supplies that we are going to need. And then more time going through my craft closet. What do I already have? What do I need to buy? And then I can't just buy it all at Walmart. I always start at the dollar store first because that's cheapest. And I got the stuff I need there. Then I went to Walmart, got what was there. And then I found out like one thing I have to go to Michael's for. And I bought it. Then I knew like this is going to be complicated, but I want to make it through. So I'm going to line up 25 brown paper bags. I'm going to label them day one through 25. I'm going to separate each day like what we need. So that way I just have to grab the bag and like we're ready. Like we're ready to go. I'm like we're going to. I'm, I was really excited. I thought you actually gave me some baby food jars to, to use. I was thinking about this because we were going to make these look and find jars that had. Anyway. I remember it. So day one, like we sit down, I remember it was a stained glass candle and we're talking about Jesus being the light of the world and we make our little ornament things. I'm really excited. Um, it took like 45 minutes to do. Day two, I don't even remember what it was, but we did it and it took like 45 minutes to do. And then day three, we had something to do that night because it's December and there's stuff to do. And in our family, there's... 
three different birthdays in the month of December on top of that. You know, it's, it's a busy month. So we didn't do day three at, at all. And then we didn't do day four at all. I didn't have 45 minutes in my night to make a craft and, like, clean it up afterwards. And then it just kept going and going. And it was, like, day 11, and Caitlin's like, are we going to make our next ornament? And I'm like, well, we've kind of failed at it, and I don't want to do it because if we're not going to do it completely, let's just not do it at all. Like, and I never, we never made it past day two. We'll do it next year. You know, I'll be better, or, you know, it's already bought, so that was like, we'll figure it out. The next year, like, November comes, and I'm thinking about December, and I was just like, that is so much work. I don't have time to do this. Like, we can't do this. So we didn't do it the next year. So this year, it comes around. I still had the stuff. I had the, I put it all in a tote, you know, like, it's ready when we get to it. I mean, I saw the tote, like, we're pulling out Kristen, I'm like, oh, it's still there. We could do this this year. And then I'm like, we're not going to do this this year. And is that really even teaching my children what Christmas is about? That we've made 25 ornaments, which is really 75 ornaments, because there's three of them. Where do you put 75 <laughs> ornaments, like, if we had done it? What was, I don't know. It, you know, it sounded great. It looked really cute. The mom who did it on Pinterest. I liked it. But um, I'm like, I want to, what is Jesus coming to earth really about? Like, what was it about? It was about, he came life to give it to the full. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to serve, not to be served. And what if that was what we did for the month of December instead of, some really cute craft that I can put on Facebook and y'all say, Elena's such a good mom. I should do that. You know? Um, so we, we did it. We did. I, um, you know, I thought about it and I talked to Cassie Dinius like, you know, this is, I just really want to do something different. And I think like, I just want to do something different. I want to be out in the world. So we signed up to ring the Salvation Army bells one weekend and the Diniuses came with us and we, all like we had all our kids and we were just singing Christmas carols like the whole time. The kids were just like jingle bells, like screaming, skipping around, like ringing bells. And I never knew people donated so much money to. I was feeling cheap, like twenty dollar bill. You know, I'm like this is amazing. Um, together with the Denius and then with um. I'm sorry, I just lost your last. <laughs> um, we made. We made Christmas cookies, and we went to the fire, local to fire departments and police departments, and we sang Christmas carols and gave them cookies and told them we appreciated what they did for us. Um, with my kids and with some other families we knew, we signed up to serve a meal at the House of Hope. They serve meals three days a week to anybody who doesn't have food and they can eat. So we made I made grilled cheese. Kids aren't actually allowed in the kitchen, so Caitlin and Matthew Samantha cleared tables for people and refilled their drinks. And Samantha, I mean, she couldn't even do that. She would take their food, but the trash can was high. So she would take their plates and then go to the trash can and then ask somebody else, like, to put it in. But she just, she, it was just such a great experience. I was, like, flipping. I mean, I don't know how many grilled cheese I was just flipping and just looking out and seeing, seeing Caitlin talk to complete strangers. If you've met her, that's, like, huge. And asking, like, can I take this for you? Is there anything else that you need? was just really great, um, great experience for me and for her. And, you know, we, we just filled our whole month with things like that.
And I feel that was so much better than making 75 ornaments. <laughs> um, and it wasn't really different than what life already was. I mean, those things did take time and some planning, but it was like, this is real life. Like, this is what Jesus looks like. It's, um, so that's what we just kind of did together for that month. And I tr- I've been trying to really just think about that I've, all the time. What does it, what does this look like in real life? <laughs> um, so uh, Stephanie said that I try to like read, you know, do a Bible lesson with my kids every day, and um, and I do. And so I have, we have so many cute, different children's Bible stories. See, when Caitlin was really little, and it was just Caitlin, um, I had this idea that I wanted 90% of her bookshelf to be stories about Jesus or prayer or something, so that when she picked a book <laughs> off her bookshelf, I knew like most likely it was going to be about God, and that's what we were going to read. I can't say that that is what their bookshelves look like now you know but I remember going through and weeding out books so that that's what it would be like now that I have three kids in different ages and they're not like super spread apart but they're spread apart enough that like Caitlin can read a real bible and then like Matthew's in the middle and then Samantha's got the little bible so I'm like trying to do like three different like readings a day plus read for myself and it was Exhausting, and some days I still do that. And other days we just read from the big people's Bible. And Samantha's playing with my little ponies. <laughs> and, you know, Matthew's laying with the dog. And we just read from the big people's Bible. And um, I, I meant to say first, how many of you read to your child before they turned one? Read books, right? Yeah, so you're already reading. She's could. Could they answer questions at the end of what they learned about? <laughs> no, you didn't say, let's go over these characters' names. Like, do you know all of this stuff? You read to them anyway. So I know, like, so many people are like, we need to read a children's Bible because this is going to be way over their heads. They're not going to understand everything. But it's not always about understanding everything, it's about laying a foundation of that we read the Bible. And I don't understand everything. You know, we read about Nicodemus the other day and like this whole section. I'm like, Matthew, you know, what do you remember? And he was like, Moses raised a stick up. And that was like there, but that like wasn't the whole thing. And I was just like, okay, we're going to talk about Moses for a little bit. You know, I'm like, you know, that's fine. Like if you get nothing else in that we read the Bible, later on you're going to understand it. You read to your children other books that they don't understand but you read for the pure joy of being together and reading. And so that's why I read with my kids. Um, not that you can't read little kids' Bibles. We still do that, too. But if you're just going to be able to hit one thing, I just hit the, we're going to read the real, the real deal together. Um, so, um, okay, my number two, what being intentional is not, and this is going to sound kind of, different at first, but being intentional is not just dragging your kids to every church event. I'm not saying you don't take your kids to every church event, but it's not just taking them. What is being at church events is good, but do you does it teach your do you teach your kids the purpose of why we are there? Is it just something that we do? One time or like a year ago, I remember Samantha, and I don't remember, I've been trying to remember the context, said, Mom, you decorate the church and make copies. Like, that is what you do. And I just remember thinking, 
Is that all she thinks my relationship with God is, is decorating the children's ministry and making copies for it? I know she's only three, but it's so much more than that. Does she know why I'm decorating the church? Does she know why I'm making copies of coloring pages? Like, does she know why I get with other women to go over the Bible? Do they know why I go to the ladies' retreat? Um, and so we talk about this. We talk about Sunday mornings. Guys, you know, do you tell your kids why you drop them off at Children's Church? Or you just drop them off because you're trying to get to your lesson? You know, I'm not saying I pick do this every Sunday, but I try, you know, to say you're there to learn something about God and you're there to look for the other kid who doesn't know about God that you can sit next to and talk to. And that might be the brand new kid who's never been there before and needs a friend. Or it might be somebody who's there every Sunday, but they still need a friend. And so we talk about that before, and we talk about that, again, it's not every week. But I'm like, hey, who would you sit by today? Was there somebody new? Was there, um, you know, who were, who were you a friend to today? And then sometimes they're just like, Mom, you're back there. And I'm like, but I'm not in your classroom. I'm in large group. I don't know what happened in class. Mom, you picked out the curriculum. Like, you know what we talked about. I'm like, not every teacher does it the way I have it on the paper, so just tell me what you, you know. You know, they, they had whatever, you know. So, you know, just be intentional about talking about why. Uh, why do you go to discipleship group? Um, a lot of times my kids are at discipleship group with me. I know some people have babysitters. That's fine. And sometimes you just have to take them. So we talk about all right, what's your purpose while our discipleship group? It's to play quietly and get along with others so that mom and dad can learn. You know, I'm not, they don't have to sit. I don't make them sit and like try to learn also. It's to, and we say, your job right now, your purpose, God's purpose is to go play quietly in the other room so that we can have an opportunity to learn. Um, you know, if you have a chance to get a sitter, I highly recommend it when you're studying the Bible with somebody, but it's not always possible. Um, sometimes the person you're studying with has children and they don't have someone to watch them. And so, I mean, I've had Bible studies sitting on a park bench with like eight children playing on the playground. And so we talk about that beforehand. Your job is to go play with these children so that mommy can share, you know, with this other lady um, about about Jesus. And so they're they're hearing that. And it's, again, they're understanding what God's purpose is right now. It's their ministry now. It may not look like my ministry now, but it is their ministry now. And they're going to understand what it looks like when they grow up. They're going to know that. Um, with that, I'm afraid I'm going to step on some toes, but being at church events with your children is good. But if your child is parked in front of a screen with headphones in their ears, what message are you sending to them? Um, I see this a lot when we have celebrations, and I, their ears are covered and they can't hear anything that's being said. And be honest, when you hear there's a celebration or a church-wide thing, is the first thought you have is their child care? <laughs> I mean, I, that's, like, that's not a bad question. Like I've been there. Matthew was like the craziest child, and I remember like, we're having a church seminar and there's no child care when he was two and John's like, we might as well not even go. Like, we're not going to, I'm like, we're going, you know, we're going to go, like, we're going to figure it out. I understand that struggle. I've had really young children and that's a very valid question, especially with children ages zero to five. 
But your children can learn with you, again, even if they don't understand. They're learning that this is important, this is valued. Um, You know, I'm afraid with the screen, not just the screen, but the headphones, that this is boring and this is not for me and I can't possibly understand. And then they grow up and they become teenagers and we put them out in the auditorium and we wonder why they don't want to pay attention and they're bored because last month it was okay for them to not pay attention, but this month now you're supposed to and you're supposed to like it. (laughs) But last month we told you you weren't going to like it. You don't want to, you know, you're not going to like it. Don't. Don't come. You know, this is not for you. Um, Jesus didn't become the boy in the temple at age 12 because Mary kept him from these experiences. He wasn't teaching and asking questions because he had never, you know, she was intentional at putting him around those types of situations. You know, I bring my kids, we bring coloring books, and I tell them why. Because they'll say, they're on the Kindle, they're on their PS3. And I say, I want your ears open because you don't know what you're going to learn. And I want you to sing. And you can't even get your coloring books out until we're done singing because I want you to sing with us. And then you can get the coloring books out. I understand, like, doing stuff. I think Matthew has played chess, like, on a on the Kindle. But I felt like his ears were still open. And I know they were because sometimes you'd be like, what? You know, to something that was on the stage. So I'm like, I want your ears open because they don't know what you're going to learn. So, again, I started off in the beginning um, saying... Being intentional in my family doesn't look like yours. And I just want you to know that. You don't have to do it how I'm doing it. You don't have to do it how the person sitting next to you is doing it. But I just ask you to pray for God's guidance as you make decisions about how you're raising your children and what things are going to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to fill in the gaps. I am always asking God, God, I fall so short. Like, Can you please fill in the gaps that I... I'm not filling. Can you teach them the things that I'm not teaching? Find someone else to do that part because I don't, you know, I don't even know what I'm failing at sometimes. But you plant the seed and God makes it grow and just praise God for that. That was some really good practical stuff, I think, uh, that can help all of us. Um, so, uh, as moms, we can be intentional, and that can help our children to follow in his steps. And secondly, I can be a good model. Be a good model, and that can help my children follow in his steps. Abraham Lincoln said, There is just one way to bring up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel that way yourself. I like that. Only one way to bring up a child in the way he should go and that is to travel that way yourself have you ever heard I'm sure you have monkey see monkey do like mother like daughter you guys know it's just a fact it's a fact Um, Carmody is uh, you know I think everybody here knows Matt and Brian's little girl she's six months old and so the world is becoming alive to her it's more than just this little you know fear or her and mommy or whatever but the world is becoming alive to her and so she's she's starting to watch and you know it's, it is different as a as a grandma I think I'm, I'm noticing things maybe I can take it in when maybe I didn't as much with my kids because I had a lot of stuff going on and uh, so I really appreciate the time that I get with either one of the girls but with Carmody she I said she's at the point she's watching everything and when you talk to her um, you know she's looking at your mouth 
and you're thinking, look at me up here. <laughs> you know, she's like looking at your mouth and actually taking all that in, soaking it up like a little sponge, like when you're eating. She's like looking at your, you know, you pick up a cup. She's like watching it, you know, every little thing she's seeing it. And our kids are watching us all the time. They're little DVRs, little DVRs. And, you know, it's true. You probably heard more is caught than is taught. I'm not saying teaching isn't important. You know, it's one of the things we talked about with being intentional, is teaching them God's Word. But they also need a model. They need a model from me. Kids will watch your values and your attitudes, and they will mirror them, whether you like it or not. <laughs> the good things, the bad things, they're going to mirror them. And, you know, this may intimidate you a little. I know for me it intimidates me a lot, intimidated me a lot, and still does, that they're watching me and they're watching my example. But I want you to remember, it may seem in, in, intimidating, but remember, you don't have to be perfect. None of us are. You do not have to be perfect to be a good model for your kids. Perfect is, no, there's no such thing. If we try to portray that to our kids, we're just fooling them, and they're going to find out at some point it's not real. So you don't have to be perfect. No one's perfect, but you can decide to strive to be a good example. It's Dr. Kevin Lehman that does a lot of the different children's things. That's one of the things he says. You don't have to be a perfect parent. Just strive to be a good one. Strive to be a good one. And like Elena said, let God fill in the gaps. <coughs> let him fill in the gaps. Um, listen to what Paul said. You know, We read this earlier. Uh, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. That sincere faith lived in Timothy, but it lived in Lois and Eunice first. So he's reminding him, this is where you got your faith. Part of where you got your faith was the model that was in front of you. Let me ask you, do you think Timothy inherited his faith? Does that mean you inherit it? Okay, I'm... uh, my mom or, or was a, a, a wonderful Christian woman or I'm going to do my best to be a great Christian woman. Does that mean our children are going to inherit that? They're going to naturally, that's what's going to happen? You don't inherit. It's not osmosis. You know, it's not anything like that. Just because, you know, just because your parents are evil, does that mean you're going to be evil? No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. We all have our choices. Timothy developed his own faith. But modeling encouraged it. As mothers, we can, we can do all we can to encourage it by the lives that we live. I can't make my children walk with God. I cannot make them. Some of us have tried. We know other people. We've tried to make them, but we can't make them. But my walk with God can inspire them. It can inspire them. They're watching. I can't take the steps for them. You know, even when they're little, they're learning to crawl and walk. You can't do it for them. Or when they're trying to learn the bicycle, ride the bicycle, can you get on there for them? They have to do that. It's the same way with their faith. I can't take the steps for them, but I can give them a path to follow. That's my role. That's what I can do. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I hate to ask this. We all don't like to think about it, but... You know, we need time to reflect. That's what this weekend's about. If we want to be better mothers, we have to have some time to reflect. So what in my life do I want my children to imitate? We all have we all have gifts and talents. We all have strengths. What do I want them to imitate? 
But what do I not want them to imitate? What are those weaknesses we cringe and we think, oh, man, I do not want my kids to have this. I do not want them to catch this. I don't want them to get, you know, what things do I need to work on? There's some things there. Ask yourself, where will my faith lead my children? If they're imitating my faith, where is it going to lead them? Where, what, where in the road is it going? Is it about just attending and going to things or is it deeper than that? Is it that walk with God I'm having every day? They see me, um, you know, in his word, praying. They see as I'm dealing with everyday life, is God a part of that? Again, you don't have to be a great mom to raise godly kids, just a good mom. Your kids learn most from seeing and hearing. The two together, seeing and hearing. So what are your children learning from watching your life? What are they learning? What are they learning about serving? I'm just going to throw some things out there. What, about, what are they learning about serving? You know, is it like, I'm not, I don't want to be inconvenienced. Don't bother me. I don't have time. I've got my things going on. You know, what are they learning about serving? What are they learning about prayer? Do they see mommy? Do they see mom devoted to prayer and Bible study? Time of growing and learning and, and having a relationship with him? What are they learning uh, from my life about loving others, about loving the lost? You know, do they see me reaching out to the lost, loving other Christians, loving people who hurt me? What are they learning? What are they learning about generosity? This is like challenging, you know, it's, uh, to think about. You know, we look at ourselves and what we want to change, but man, when you think about your kids, we always want better for our kids. We want our kids to be better than where we are. So what are they learning about generosity? You know, is it about all about my stuff? Don't break anything or mess anything up or you know, or my they see are they learning to be giving? About trusting God. You know, our children learn from our example about how we respond to life when there's problems, um, when when we're having financial problems, when we're having relationship problems, maybe um at work, anything like that. Crisis going on, do they see us as the first thing, you know, we're just going off the wall, wigging out, or are they seeing us, you know, God's going to take care of that and praying. And like, none of us are going to do that perfectly, but that's the goal. This is the goal we're talking about. What are they learning about transparency? Can you admit you're wrong? You know, oh, mommy messed up. I'm really sorry. I didn't, you know. I've even called Nathan and Matthew since they've been gone from I just like doing this lesson. I called Nathan and apologized to him for some things. You know, being insensitive at a point in his life. You know, Matthew busted his two teeth out. Nathan's two teeth out. And it's like, hey, he went to school the next day. It's like, oh, it's not, you know. And I felt bad. I was like, I shouldn't. That was insensitive. He was in eighth grade. How horrible. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I'm so sorry I did that. And he says, oh, it's okay, Mom. You know, I think Nicole said, she told me, you know, it probably made you the person that you are. You know, like to just not, you know. But still, you always, when you look back, you start thinking, oh, man. But it's, it's okay to say you're sorry. It doesn't matter at what point, you know, or admit that you're wrong. Being able to admit that, that you make mistakes, that's okay. That teaches them to be, you're modeling transparency. You don't want them to hide stuff from you, you know, in their lives. Well, mommy's perfect. I can't, you know, mess up. Um, what are your children learning about being a disciple and following his steps? So a lot of stuff. You know, because um, I know this class can be really overwhelming because we all want to be good moms. And it's not like my goal to put anybody on a guilt trip. Like, I don't feel like I'm above any other mom. We're all doing the best we can trying to be faithful to God and praying that he will help us raise our children to be godly men and women. I know that's where we all are. And I want you guys to know, like, that's my heart. But I feel like these are good, some good things to share because we really need to think about.
are examples. We need to think about, am I being intentional with my kids? Because those things can help them. And that's what we want to do is help them. So as I, I'm going to wind up here real, qu- real quick. So what do I do with the things that I've heard today, this afternoon? Where do I start? I just want to encourage you to begin where you are. <clears throat> it's never, never too late to take a step. You know, like the little shoes we have, you know, we were like emphasizing right down one step you're going to take. It's never too late to take a step. Don't like just look back and be guilty, feel guilty or down. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I've learned some things. I'm going to make some adjustments. We're all at different places. Some of us, some of us are moms with young children. I don't know if there's, it's single moms, single moms here, grandmas, empty nesters. I don't know if there's anybody who's working on building their nest right now. I had that down. (laughs) But, you know, we are at different places, but it's never too late to take a step, like, right where we are. Um, This little thought I found uh, says, Though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anyone, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. That gives me hope. You know, just take a step where, where I am. Take what you've learned today and begin. Uh, second, start with the basics. Make your walk with God the first step. That's the basics. Uh, if you've ever, you know, how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? If there's any issues on the plane, well, they do this before you ever take off. What is it they tell you? If there's something happens, cabin pressure, whatever, these masks are going to drop down, what do they say? And then on your child. But it seems like I should put it on my child first. But No. Take care of you so that you can help your child. And that's the same way with our walk with God. You have to take care of your walk with God. Take care of your spiritual wellness so you can help your child. Third, welcome help. Walk alongside others. There's other moms in here. There's other moms, you know, in the other rooms. We don't have to raise our kids by ourselves. He's given us like a community of believers. We help each other with our children and as being moms, you know, take advantage of that. You know, you've heard it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. It takes God's family to raise spiritual champions. So don't let don't let your pride get in the way. I think that's a tendency sometimes. Well, we don't I don't want so and so to know I'm having this problem with my child. You know, I don't want to you know, I want to cover it up. <coughs> I want anybody to know that this is going on at home. Um even when they're little, you know, all the way up to teenagers or or on. You know, we need to Lower our pride and get help so that we can help our kids. Um, fourth, don't give up. Don't give up. In the, in the journey of motherhood, there's lots of ups and downs. Lots of ups and downs. Sometimes you'll have to fight discouragement. Sometimes there may be setbacks or second guessings. Like, are they getting any of this? You know, what I'm trying to be or what I'm trying to teach them about God. Are they getting any of this? Um, you have to fight discouragement. In Nehemiah 4... Uh, when they were rebuilding the wall, there would uh, others were coming in and trying to de- to tear down the work that they were trying to do. And he tells them, uh, "Look, ar- look around." He says, "I looked around and stood up and said, Remember, the Lord who is great and powerful. Fight for your brothers, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes.'" He tells them to fight for them. And you know, in this day and age, there's plenty of things that we have to fight against or fight. For our kids, for them to have spiritual a spiritual walk with God, you know, there's worldliness all around. There's the evil one trying to tear down anything that God's trying to build up. You know, we can't have the attitude of, well, I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I can. You know, we need to have the attitude that He did here: fight for our sons and daughters, fight for their walk with God. 
Uh, and remember, the hand that rocks the cradle, you know, you've heard that, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I just wouldn't say just keep rocking the cradle. You know, keep rocking the cradle for God. doesn't matter what age they are. And fifth, allow God to move and work. Allow God to move and work. You know, pray, be faithful, and wait on God to do only what he can do. It's not all up to us. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. It's not all up to us. Let's put it in his hands. In Psalms 27 and verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord's help. Be strong and brave and wait for the Lord's help. He's the key, you know. Um, he's the key. He loves our children and he's going to work on them and he's going to use res- his resources to help them. And we're one of those resources, but we're not the only resource. So I hope that, you know, there's some things you can take away to, you know, some practical things to help you as moms, to think, some things to think about, maybe adjust, to pray about. Um, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we can, we can help each other. And uh, I'm going to close out. Elena, would you want to say a prayer? I'm a little brain dead. <laughs> uh, dear God, I just want to thank you for all the uh, ladies in the room, mothers and grandmothers and aunts and, you know, everything. God, uh, we all want to be good moms and we all want children who love you. And it can be so overwhelming at times and we can feel like utter, utter failures. But we have you and we have your grace. And it's such an opportunity to teach our children about grace and forgiveness when we don't meet the standards we want. God, just help us to know that you're, that you're with us and you're guiding us and that you're guiding our children. Would you stand praise? Amen. Amen.